You can be seated tonight. So good to see you on this Wednesday night Bible class and uh, thankful for the presence of the Lord. And uh, God has been good to us, hasn't he? Amen. Such good things going on around here and uh, so excited for what God is doing. And uh, I'm going to do something that uh, I've not had a privilege to do since I've been here. I'm going to preach a little bit about Christmas tonight. That'll be all right. Now, I'm not anti-Christmas. We're not going to throw out the Christmas trees tonight. We're just going to talk about uh, some things that happen in this season. Is that all right? Amen. I'm going to take you to uh, Matthew chapter 1 tonight, uh, verse 18. You can remain seated. Uh, I'm going to read several verses of Scripture there. Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 18. Do give honor to Pastor uh, he's normally gone when I'm up here, so uh, while he's in the building, give honor to him. Thank you for the opportunity. Always, it's an honor to be able to speak to you guys and address you, and I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. I'm going to take from that 21st verse one line in there, that it might be fulfilled just because I couldn't come up with anything better today but that it might be fulfilled amen praise God Christmas has been distorted over the years to say it nicely Um, this very beautiful season this magical time along with its beautiful message and spectacular significance has been Tainted by something altogether different than its original intent. What may have been birthed in innocence and as celebratory and family fun and adult fun as well uh, has become the driving force for the now out of control retail spectacular we call the holiday season. And it seems to grow as the years tick on. Earlier sales, deeper discounts, crafty ads, anything to draw in 
the almighty dollar. And even for us tonight, if we be honest, that proclaim him and keep him at the center, it is easy to get lost in the jolly of the season and the moment. Our radios suffer hostile takeovers. Our regular stations get changed. They serenade us and capture us with songs like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. All I want for Christmas is you. And Santa Claus is coming to town. And while they're catchy and they're fun and they lend to the atmospheric charm of the moment, they are slowly and subtly stealing from us the long-endured message of this season. And that message tonight is not that Santa is coming to town, but that there is a God that is coming to the earth. Amen? He's not coming with fanfare. He's not coming with a lot of grandeur. He's not coming with fireworks. He's not coming with celebration. He isn't coming by the light of some magical nose reindeer. But he's coming by the light of a star foretold hundreds of years ago by ancient prophets. Because the beauty of Christmas tonight is not found in our modern celebrations filled with store-purchased presents. But the true beauty of Christmas is in the timeless rejoicing of the arrival of his eternity-purchasing presence. This is more than gifts. This is more than making someone's day. This is about glory and changing someone's life. It came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song of old. From angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men. From heaven's all-gracious king, the world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. And ye, beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps so slow. Look now for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing and rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. Their song was long awaited, but finally it came. And it was the greatest happy birthday song ever sang because the birth of Jesus Christ was the greatest gift ever given to humanity. And while some thought, no doubt, that it would never come, the Scripture declares to us tonight that the gift came in the fullness of time when the need of him was at its highest and the need of him was at its greatest. The soil had been prepared to receive the seed. The nation was ripe and ready. The silence had lasted long enough, 400 years. Heaven had stopped speaking. God had literally stopped talking. And in that silence, the earth was growing more cold, and she was growing more wicked and more evil, drifting further away from him by every day. But finally, the time came. 
And the words to a virgin girl broke the silence. Mary, thou chosen of the Lord, you will bear a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Because now God will no longer manage the affairs of the world from a distant heaven, but he will descend into the earth to walk among you. I don't know about you tonight, but that is a great gift. What a privilege we have tonight that our God would love us that much. This great gift is above our human comprehension tonight. The condescension of a creator to the level of his creation is an almost unthinkable event, yet he came that it might be fulfilled. It wasn't what was expected by the religious. It wasn't what was expected by the educated, yet it fulfilled destiny to perfection. See, you must understand tonight, God is a magnificent creator. And this epic event was not an afterthought. It was not an impulse because God is a grand planner. And he is a meticulous manager of his plan. While it may not always be apparent to us, his cosmic clock never misses a nanosecond. And in God's providential scheme, timing is always everything. The incarnation was deliberate. It was planned from the beginning. It was destiny. Galatians 4 and 4 said, when the fullness of time was come, he came. He was the word made flesh from John 1, 14. He was the bruiser of Satan's head from Genesis 3, 15. And he was the lamb of God from John 1, 29. He was the redeemer of humankind because it was his destiny. I'm trying tonight to give you a glimpse into the grand design of of God's plan, trying to remind you tonight that we are not here by chance, just marking time, trying tonight to get us to revisit what this is really supposed to be about. Because if we are to be Christ-like, we must have some role to play in this plan. Amen? If God was so deliberate, and he was so meticulous about the events preceding and surrounding the birth of Christ, then it must stand to reason tonight that he's got a plan for each of us. This isn't some happenstance game we are playing tonight, but there is, in fact, purpose to all of this, and there is a plan in all of it. This great gift was totally beyond our comprehension but he participated in this plan because of his love of humanity. John 3.16, one of our favorites. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When I think of that, I think he must have remembered his old friend Job. When he longed for a mediator and said, For he is not a man as I, that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. 
neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Way back then, Job wanted and needed a mediator between God and himself, but that gift had not yet been given, and it could not until the time was right. But thankfully tonight, we don't have Job's dilemma because ever since that first Christmas night, we now have a mediator between God and man. And it was delivered through the incarnate and the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. From Mary's womb that night came one that would advocate for man. Job longed for him, but we have him tonight, and his name is Jesus. Timothy declared it like this, 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6. For there is one God. One mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. The Son of God bridged the untravelable gulf of sin that separated us from him. And what was once an unreachable span, we can now walk across on the body of Jesus Christ. I don't know tonight how you feel about it, but I'm thankful for the work of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful tonight that he stands as my mediator. I'm thankful tonight when sin demands a payment that I can't make, he stands. I'm thankful tonight when judgment meets a sentence that I can't pay, he stands. When I need mercy, he stands. When I need grace, he stands. When I need help, he stands tonight. No longer rolling my sins forward only to reunite with them for a later time. Not on this side of Christmas. Now the finished work of Calvary has defeated sin once and for all by remitting them by the only saving blood that ever could. That of Christ, and so was the reason he came, that it might be fulfilled. What? The work of redemption. He came that it might be fulfilled. Listen to the angel speak to Joseph. She, Mary, will bear you a son, but you shall name him Jesus. Your role, Joseph, in all of this is to make sure he gets the right name. See, in the Old Testament, it was the responsibility of the father to give the name to the son. And he always wanted that son to follow in his footsteps. So it was uh, very much a custom for that father to think long and hard about that name because he wanted that son to carry on his legacy and to come uh, behind him. The rights and the privileges of the father were transferred to the son through the name. The father's authority came through the name that he would choose for his son. And when it came to this child, it could not be left to chance. And the angel didn't just appear to Mary and let her know how chosen she was. But he stopped by Joseph's house too. And he said, Joseph, when you get a chance, 
this is what I want you to call him. I want you to name him Jesus. I don't want you to name him after your lineage. I don't want you to name him after your heritage. I don't want you to name him after your father or yourself. But I want you to give him a name that's going to define his destiny. I want you to give him a name that will speak to the whole world of his purpose. The name had to be right because in that day, a person was characterized, their name characterized their nature. And this is especially true of Jesus. When the angel gave the name Jesus, as we know it to Joseph, it was actually pronounced Yeshua for them. Why meet with Joseph? Because we've got to make sure it's all fulfilled, that he receive a name that would define his nature. What's significant about this name? And, and uh, uh, why do we make sure that we get the right name? Because it appears over 100 times in the Scripture, and every time you find it, it means one thing. Salvation. The word Yeshua or Jesus, as we pronounce it in our language, and the word salvation are one in the same. So this is actually what the angel said to Joseph. And thou shalt call his name Yeshua or salvation. What does that mean? It means that salvation was not something, but salvation was someone. Salvation tonight is not a privilege. Salvation tonight is a purpose, is a person. Salvation tonight is not a destination that we reach, but it's a destiny because Jesus was God's instrument to save. Listen to this. Psalm 914, David said, I will rejoice in thy, the word is Yeshua, salvation. Isaiah wrote it like this, Isaiah 12, 2 and 3. Behold, God is my Yeshua, our salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my Yeshua, our salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw waters out of the well of Yeshua, our salvation. Isaiah prophesied the Christ child's name would be Emmanuel, which Matthew interpreted as God with us. Zechariah prophesied that the Lord would come to dwell among his people. 2 and 11, many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. Paul said the church is built together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. Jesus did not merely bring salvation. He was salvation. Amen. And he came that it might be fulfilled. What? Salvation. And you wonder why we will be hated of all nations. For his name's sake. Because we are a people 
of the name. We are, in essence, a people of salvation. And the devil hates his name. And guess what? He hates us. Because as long as we hold the name, we hold the promise. We hold the means. We hold the fulfillment of the Scripture and the ability for men to be saved. I read something from a book. It's written by a man named Josh McDowell. It's called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And he said there are over 300 prophecies of Jesus' first coming in the Old Testament. And this guy is defending a position, and almost like a lawyer, he starts assembling his defense, and he cites 60 of the most prominent prophecies fulfilled by Jesus Christ to prove he was who he claimed to be. Here's a couple of samples. Place of birth. Micah 5 and 2, Bethlehem, Jesus took care of that. Time of birth, Daniel 9.25, reckoned from the restoration of the temple. Jesus took care of that. His manner of birth, Isaiah 7 and 14, said he would be born of a virgin. Jesus took care of that. Betrayal, Psalm 41 and 9 said that he would be betrayed by a friend. Jesus took care of that. Manner of death, Psalm 22 and 16 said that his hands would be pierced and his feet would be pierced. Jesus took care of that. People's reactions, Psalm 22 and 7, that they would be laughing and mocking, Jesus took care of that. Piercing, Zechariah 12 and 10, his side was pierced. Jesus took care of that. And if you're counting, this is number eight, his burial. Isaiah 53 and 9 said it would be in a rich man's tomb. Jesus took care of that. McDowell said of the question as to whether Jesus was the Messiah or not, to find all 60 prophecies fulfilled in one man is beyond the point of human possibility. Now, I just gave you eight. I didn't go through 60 tonight because you wouldn't have wanted to listen to 60. I just gave you eight. But here's why. Because there was another writer that wrote, his name is Peter Stoner. He wrote in Science Speaks that the probability of any one man fulfilling just eight of the prophecies is one in tenth to the seventeenth power. For those of you that don't know what that is, like me, it's one in 100 quadrillion. For those of you that still don't know what that is, like me, that's a whole, whole, whole lot of zeros. Amen? I didn't even go try to find out how many it was. It's just a bunch of them. Amen? Praise God. What I'm trying to say tonight is this. Jesus was no accident. 
He didn't come by chance. He didn't just happen onto the scene, but he was ordained from the foundation of the world. Why? That it might be fulfilled for the salvation of his people. So we preach Jesus tonight as hard as anybody can preach him because we understand and we believe that salvation cannot exist and does not exist and will never exist outside of the person of Jesus Christ. He didn't come to give salvation. He came as salvation. That's why we preach him without apologizing for it. That's why we baptize in his name for the remission of your sins because outside of Jesus you just simply cannot be saved that it might be fulfilled Acts 4 and 12 said it neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved when we get to this season I start Looking and I start examining myself. This is the time of the year we start taking inventory. And I get stirred in my spirit when I think of all that Jesus has afforded us. My innermost man tonight. Amen. I, I, I want to make sure that I remember what this thing is all about. Amen. I want to take inventory and I want to make sure that I'm not lacking and I'm not missing the mark. What are you trying to say in this class tonight? I'm saying there is a purpose in the name of Jesus. Let's make it applicable tonight. And if we are the people of the name, the only way we honor that name is to fulfill the purpose of that name. He loves your praise, but it doesn't fulfill his purpose. He loves your worship, but it doesn't satisfy his purpose. He loves our giving. He loves our sacrifices, but it doesn't execute his passion. The only thing that accomplishes this is for us to remember this is about lost souls. This is about reaching those that don't know him at any cost. As a people of the name tonight, we are the agents of salvation. If we want people to be saved, we better be busy talking about Jesus, portraying Jesus, lifting him up. We've made this thing too hard. Sometimes we act like it's hard to share him. It's hard to help someone. The sending of Christ was for the saving of his people. And it's really as simple as if we get back to Jesus, his name will perform the work. Amen. I think sometimes that what happens in the church is we've got a culture of church that it's okay just to get by. It's okay just to get through. Is this okay tonight? Everything we do, we do in the open. 
because we're validated by what people see. Come to church because we want people to see us in church and know that, hey, I'm in church, right? We give because we want people to see and know I'm a giver. We lift our hands because we want people to see and know I'm a worshiper. Wear the right things, do the right things, go to the right places. Also, others will see and know and think and believe that I'm okay. It's all on the level of what's visible, what's tangible. But inside, because life has a way of doing it, we find a lot of us are callous and cold, not fulfilling the will of God in our lives. It is that form of godliness and denying the power thereof. 2 Timothy 3, 5, where it references having a form of godliness, but the denying the power thereof. That's where it's at. That word for power can be translated to say meaning. I'm going somewhere. In other words, you can have a form of godliness. You can be religious. You can do all the right things, yet it have no meaning. Amen? And I feel tonight that with the importance of the hour and the things we're seeing and how close we are to the calling of this bride home that God is desiring a people to get back to a relationship with him that has some meaning in it. What's this thing all about? What are we supposed to be doing? The same word in 2 Timothy 3 and 5 that translates to meaning is the same word in Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power, meaning. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You just thought it was because it was a good gift and it was great to have and you talked in tongues and this is wonderful. But actually, there was some meaning that came with that gift. There's a purpose. There's a destiny. There's a reason. And we've got folks running around complaining, I can't find my place. Can't find my calling. need a fresh encounter with the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost, according to the Scripture, will bring meaning to your life. The Holy Ghost will put a calling on you. The Holy Ghost will remind you of the reason. The Holy Ghost will get in you and it will do something. It won't let you sit there and just be excited to soak up the good atmosphere of what's going on. But the Holy Ghost will drive you. The Holy Ghost will make you see that person that you might walk by and otherwise never speak to and say, Lord, what's going on in their life? The Holy Ghost will stop you in your tracks and make you be something that he called us to be in the first place. And evil days like this and days that are dark, children slaughtered in our schools, drug and alcohol abuse and all highs, abortions, divorces, same-sex marriages. It's all because all of these evils that a baby was born. <laughs> Not to have another reason to spend money and give somebody something they didn't want anyway. 
But it's because of evil days like this and times like these that a baby was born to equip a church, not just to gather together to say we've done our religious duty and our exercise for the day, not to go through the motions, not to spend more time arguing amongst ourselves about what we can do and what we can't do than we do spend sharing Jesus with the lost world. Not so we can come in worried about the music and who's singing and what they're singing and if it's the style we like and who find out who's preaching and if I'm going to be here if if it's him or if it's him or <laughs> because all the while we go through our church motions I'm not being mean tonight I'm just talking about let's let this season speak to us tonight right. All the while, while we get caught up in church and doing our thing and going through our motions, there's a world going to hell. And Jesus came that it might be fulfilled. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. The times he got angry in the scripture, he was dealing with church folks most of the times. They were caught up in their own little world. But he had a destiny on him, and it was weighing on him. No wonder he stormed through the temple with a whip in hand. They were standing in the way of the fulfillment, and it was so vital that they had to go. He couldn't allow even the least to be lost due to religious people with a lack of of understanding he was trying to awaken them to the moment he was trying to awaken them to the mission he was trying to awaken them to the meaning that it might be fulfilled he didn't care how often they met he didn't care how much they were giving or collecting he didn't care how religious they were he wanted to know do they have a grip on the meaning of why I came because when I leave, think about this, when I leave him, Jesus, when I leave, I'm leaving the fate of the world in their hands. What a responsibility God's given us tonight. And today, it's the same. The world needs a church. The world needs a Savior. The world needs Jesus. Yet just as it was then, it seems that we who know him the most, right, are the ones that can easily get distracted, forget what this thing was about in the first place. And as fast tonight as the unlocked wheels of time can carry us, Jesus is on a return mission. And we've got to do what he called us to do. We've got to step back into fulfilling his mission. Paul wrote it like this, Romans 13, 11, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation, same word as Christ. Remember that. Every time you see salvation, it's translated Christ. For now is our salvation nearer than when we Believed. And I hear the loud and the clear call tonight as we remember the reason he came, saying, wake up, find your passion, find your purpose. 
because in a dark, dark world where it seems like sometimes God can be a million miles away, he's closer than we realize tonight. So it's time to reach. It's time to sow. It's time to do. It's time to go. The times are right. The season is here. The world is primed for a Savior. And just like he came that Bethlehem night, he came with purpose. He came with promise. Yet, he did not force himself on anyone. But he came where he was allowed. The end was full, so he took a stable. The beds were occupied, so he settled for a manger. He took what was available and what was willing to receive him. He still works that way tonight. He'll come where he's welcome. He'll inhabit the lowest of dwellings. He'll reside anywhere he's given a place. And tonight, as we think about this, don't forget. So excited about our new ministry starting, the drug addict. It's not too low for him to reside in tonight. The alcoholic is not too dirty for him to reside in. No place is too nasty, too dark, too small, too meaningless for him to dwell in tonight because Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Do we still believe that tonight? Do we still understand that this thing is all about those that need him, those that need to find him, those that need to encounter him and experience him like we have. Oh, if we could get a hold of this thing again. It, 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 there's nothing wrong with, with, this, with this season and, and the things that we do. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not what I came tonight. I just came to remind us that that baby who was born in that manger that night had a destiny on him and a purpose. And he came that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And the rest of that work rests solely in the hands of each and every one of us tonight. We've been called. We've been equipped. We've been gifted. We've been given. And God expects something out of us. He's expecting something out of us. Amen? Praise God. I, 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 uh, I was talking to, to uh, uh, a young lady um, just a, a week or two ago. She actually just moved away. And uh, we, um, we were talking about some different things. She was going through some stuff, and um, she said, Mr. Hodge, I'm, I'm so glad that I met you. She said, you've never uh, directly spoken anything about the Lord to me. She said, but I know that you know him. And she said, just by being in your class, it's given me strength to be able to know that he loves me and he's going to help me through these situations. Sometimes we've just got to be what God has called us to be. Sometimes we've just got to be there and in the moment and be the present and be what God has called us and anointed 
us to be. We make it too hard sometimes. The name is enough. The gift that's in you is enough. It'll do the work if we'll be aware and conscious of where God has got us placed. Amen. Stand with me tonight. We're going to finish a little early tonight. Amen. I just want to be what he has called me to be. And I know you do too. You wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night. And I want to remember, amen, this is more than just all the pretty lights of the season. There really was a reason for all of this. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your visitation tonight. I pray, God, that something that was said tonight, God, would rest in the heart and the spirit of your people. God, that we would be stirred, God, in this new and upcoming year, God, to be more active, to be more, God, as to what you have called us to be than we even are right now, God. Use us, lead us, direct us, guide us. Guide this church, God. You're doing great things among us. We give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name.